Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report legal segment. This is Dr. Lee for America, and we are here as we are Monday through Friday, 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, and then archived at www.whistleblowerreports.org. You can catch all of our previous shows at whistleblowerreports.org or here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And tonight, we're going to be talking more about the abuses in the airline industry where the airline employers, the major airlines in the United States, actually became agents of the government in unlawfully implementing mask mandates and vaccine mandates for employees in ways that you've heard on previous programs, not only violate the Federal Aviation Act of 1958, but also violate employees' constitutional rights and their human and civil rights secured by law because no one, no employer has the right to usurp the U.S. Constitution to mandate an experimental product. And all of the COVID shots to this day remain experimental, authorized only under the Emergency Use Authorization Act. And in fact, the Emergency Use Authorization Act under federal law requires informed consent and requires people to have the right to refuse as is true from the Nuremberg Code in World War II as well. So I really want our listeners to understand that the continued retaliation and punishment of airline employees is an egregious abuse. And then that begs the question about what is the EEOC doing and why has the EEOC refused to really act on these cases. We'll be talking more about that in upcoming legal segments where we, we talk about how the regulatory agencies across the board that are supposed to ensure compliance with regulations and the US Constitution are failing in their duty. We've certainly seen that with the FDA. We've seen it with the Department of Health and Human Services. Department of Justice, and on down the line. In tonight's discussion, we're going to be interviewing Lori Park, who is a Delta flight attendant, and Captain 
Saliba, who is a captain with a major U.S. airline. He has been a pilot for many years, an exemplary record focused on safety and compliance with regulations. Very dedicated. He actually came from Lebanon originally in 1984, escaping the war-torn country at that time and coming to a country where he thought the rule of law prevailed. And he has been with the airlines. He started as a flight instructor and then has been a pilot and moved up to the rank of captain. He is still to this day, not allowed to work as a pilot in spite of the pilot shortages because of the continued abuses. And this ties in with the, with an article in the Epoch Times that just came out June 19th. Why has flying become so miserable? And I certainly think there are plenty of horror stories about how miserable it has become to be an airline passenger these days, much less all the abuses that the employees are still suffering from. So welcome to the show, both of you. And Laurie, one of the things that you shared with me is that your company has used false claims and allegations to justify what we all believe is a wrongful termination. And the company violated its own rules and policies as they created a false narrative and discriminatory reasoning for their actions in terminating you. So I'd like the public listening to understand your story. And Captain Saliba will add in aspects of his that relate. And I also understand that you had submitted a medical waiver in October 2021. And then in January 2022, filed an EEOC claim against your company for their vaccine mandate. So tell us about what has happened to you. Okay, so I um, filed a waiver in October of 2021 when my company put out all these different regulations for the vaccine. Um, If you didn't get it, you had to test every day or once a week, um, there was a $200 fine that was being assessed to us on our health insurance premium. Um, There was no pay protection if you got sick with COVID. Um, We had to use our own sick time. So in January of 22, I filed a claim with the EEOC um, against all of these actions that were being taken against us. And in April, on April 18th, actually the day that the judge ruled the mask um, as not being lawful anymore, I went to work. I started a trip in Boston and I boarded the aircraft and there was a ramp agent sitting in the aircraft, which is very, very unusual. And I walked back and asked what he was doing that we were going to board. And he got up and he went to the front of the airplane and he hung out there while we were boarding. And, um, I asked him why he was there. He was in my way. He left moments later, he came back and then he was in the galley again, the whole time, not wearing a mask and eating a Tootsie pop. Um, he was doing things in the galley. I wasn't paying attention because I was focused on the boarding of the aircraft. I was the lead flight attendant 
on that particular trip. And um, he finally left again. And then moments later at the end of boarding, I saw a supervisor uh, for in-flight and a supervisor gate agent kind of peering over the back of the passengers, um, looking at me like from the waist down. They immediately came on the airplane and began berating me and telling me that I was showing a photo and I wasn't allowed to show a photo. And I asked them what they were talking about. And um, they said it again. And once again, I said, you know, if you're going to accuse me of something, I need you to show me what you're talking about. So the supervisor pulled up a photo on his phone and showed it to me. And I immediately recognized it as a photo that had been posted on a telegram group that I was in with pilots and flight attendants. Um, so I felt there was collusion between the ramp agent and the the uh, supervisors in order to get that photo somehow. Um, they looked around, they didn't see it. So they immediately changed their course and went after me for not having a mask on. So um, they asked me, where was my mask? I said, I didn't have one on you know, Delta's policy can't violate the law. And, you know, for my health and well-being, it wasn't good for me anymore. I was getting bloody noses when we were landing and headaches and everything. And um, they just proceeded to tell me that I had to put a mask on. Um, the agent said, I'm going to go talk to the captain, uh, which neither one of them were wearing masks in the cockpit. And she came out and said, we're going to take everyone off the airplane. And um, I asked her, is there a mechanical problem? She said, no, because you won't wear the mask. So I kind of guided them towards the door, the jetway door, because all the passengers in first class were watching and, you know, wondering what was going on up there because they could tell that it was something was happening. And I was getting very um, anxious and they were they were making me very threatened and uncomfortable. So I finally said, give me the mask. So they gave me the mask. We closed the door and um, I told the captain ready for pushback. We pushed away from the gate. I showed the safety video and moments after that was finished, the captain called me and said, we have to go back to the gate. They're going to take you off the plane. So we went back to the gate. He opened the cockpit window and I heard him talking to somebody. And the next thing you know, he said, "Never mind. they're going to let you go. They don't have anyone here to replace you. So we flew to Detroit, and minutes after we landed, our um, sky pros, as we called them, were going off that Delta, well, sorry, no, I just said it. Um, they dropped their mask policy, and it was no longer enforceable. So no one had to wear a mask anymore. And however, when I opened the door and got off the plane, there were two supervisors waiting there for me. They pulled me off the trip. And um, I went on the plane home that I was supposed to work as a passenger. And three days later, I did another trip for four days. Um, I filed a police report in Boston against the ramp agent. I filed a report with OSHA as well as the FAA and TSA because I thought it was a security breach because I never really saw his ID and he was interfering with a critical phase of flight for me. Um, after that trip, I came home and I had four days off on the fourth day before my trip, I was called into the office and um, asked a litany of questions and 
falsehoods that they were making up and changing words I was saying. And it was all about being insubordinate with the supervisor and the mask and nothing about the ramp agent, which I brought up about that. And they acted like it never happened and didn't want to talk about it. And then they handed me a letter and suspended me for 30 days. And within that 30 day period, they fired me. And I had 25 years with the company. I was a purser. I did international flying for 18 years. It just, I don't know, my world just went whoop upside down in an hour. That's just uh, absolutely appalling behavior. And it, it really speaks to the incredible abuse that employees in all fields endured under this punitive situation that began in 2021 after the rollout of the COVID shot mandates. Captain Saliba, how does that fit with what you've seen working with a different major airline? Um, yeah, I think that pretty much, uh, uh, Lori just uh, described the template of what these airlines and their managers have been have been doing. Um, when they can't answer a question, they will stonewall. They will not give you any information at all, and they will change the subject, and they'll stick with that story. And uh, retaliation is is big time. I I've been retaliated against, and uh, Lori, from her story, I can tell you. She filed a complaint with the EEOC, and, and that's what they're doing. They're retaliating against her, and they're trying to make it sound like it has nothing to do with the complaint that she filed. And but you know, something that strikes me is that abusive behavior on the flight to Detroit that day happened before she had filed any complaints. All she had done was file a waiver for the COVID shot. And I, I don't understand the mindset in business that has to function in order to stay in business. I can't understand the mindset of managers that are that abusive to employees that would jeopardize the paying customers by threatening to take everybody off the plane because she didn't have on a mask when the court had just ruled that the mask was unlawful in the first place, and when masks are dangerous for people to be wearing for long periods of time, and how, why they would jeopardize the business success of the business by punishing the paying customers to retaliate in a situation like that. Where, what has happened to the culture of business to succeed rather than to collapse itself. I, I can't have a good answer for that, but, but just to clarify, I think Lori can clarify for us. I believe that Lori did file a complaint about the uh, $200 premium that they had to pay. Any, anybody who was unvaccinated had to pay. And uh, Lori, is that correct? Yeah, I... I sent in the forms in October of 2021, but in January of 2022, I filed my EEOC complaint against them. 
for all of that. Okay, so they, so the people who were abusing you on that flight in April did know about the EEOC complaint. Um, I'm pretty sure they did. I don't know. He was a supervisor, but I know the company knew. And that's and that's what I was thinking because they knew about her complaint. They uh, retaliated against her on that day to, and that is unlawful. And, um, and they set her up. They set her up so they could retaliate and find another way besides uh, the unlawful practice that they were engaged in. And, and that's, that's where it, really, I think your case, you have merit to your case because uh, it should be easy to prove retaliation. There was nothing wrong that you were doing. And um, the fact that they actually uh, went back to the gate and because they could not find another flight attendant, they allowed her to operate. It tells you that all they care about is the bottom dollar. Once she performed that flight and um, they got their on time or whatever, the completion factor, completion factor in the airline industry is very important, meaning that every flight that has been scheduled is, has been completed, has not been canceled. Delays are one thing, but completion factor is a very important uh, 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 parameter. And so they completed that flight. And once the flight was completed, they removed her. They did the same thing with me. Uh, I could have been prevented from operating the flight, but in coordination with the police, they decided to allow me to operate. But once I arrived in Dallas, they removed me and put somebody else. So there's, it's, it's just a, a, a blueprint and they follow it to the T. They protect the corporation, which is, has no soul. And this is what really bothers me is that all these managers who work at these corporations have no soul either. It's, it's really sad that we have uh, gone down to these lows in, in today's environment. Well, you're, you're exactly right. And certainly I see that in what has unfolded in medicine because we, we now have doctors that are refusing to see patients who are unvaccinated. That's appalling. I mean, when did we ever discriminate against patients in that way? Smokers, AIDS patients, obese patients, diabetes patients. I've never heard doctors discriminating against seeing them as patients, even though the doctor may not have agreed with the lifestyle that led to those medical problems. And, and yet, under the COVID shots, I personally know of patients who were given overdoses of medicines that kill them because the staff, doctors and nurses in the hospital, in the ICU, were angry at the patient for being, being unvaccinated and they literally took these people's lives. I was involved in one situation where we were trying to rescue a patient at Ascension Hospital in Chicago in July, 2022. And literally, I, 
I was conferenced in on the phone call with the patient's power of attorney. I heard the patient pleading to be allowed to leave with the arrangements we had made with an ambulance and an, a, and a oxygen support to get her home to a facility where we could arrange outpatient care. Her power of attorney was advocating for her, had legal authority to do that. And the nurse and the doctor were just as abusive as they could be verbally. And after the phone call ended and the patient's power of attorney then left to go to the hospital in person, they took away her fluids and left her in the ICU room alone with no attendance, no IV fluid, alarm bells going off, and she died a few hours later. It, it was cruelty that I have not seen in American hospitals in this country in my career. And so it, it is actually happening. And, and this, this happened over and over during the years that we as a medical team with this foundation were engaged in hospital rescues of patients who were trapped in the hospitals, not getting treatment, not being allowed to see their loved ones, not being allowed to have a lawyer or their advocate present. The deaths of those patients are staggering. And it, it was soulless doctors and nurses and administrators directing these policies. And we've had whistleblowers come forward that have actually given us documentation of hospital corporate policy knowingly using euthanizing doses of midazolam, fentanyl, morphine, and other sedatives as policies. It's chilling. And so you, you are right to use the word soulless, have no soul. That, that's correct. And Lori, after 25 years of beautiful, perfect career, they do that to her at a drop of a hat. I mean, that is just, um, I, I, I mean, the only thing that I can see is that they did retaliate against her. And that's, um, that's unlawful. And, and uh, she, she needs to find remedy um, in the court because uh, uh, real quick, the EOC is going to give you one of two uh, things, either a right to sue letter, which gives you only 90 days to find an attorney who could file a lawsuit on your behalf, or they would find that the company did retaliate against you. And even when they do find that the company retaliated against you, they may or they may not sue the company. As it happened in my case back in 2001, they found that the company discriminated against me based on my national origin. But then they said, no, nah, we're not going to sue the company. I'm like, why not? And um, they have the certain criteria, I guess, that they follow. And uh, uh, so, so be prepared to hear that from them. And, uh, and, and you have to be prepared to take action if they refuse to sue the airline. Lori. 
Right. Well, I'm, you know, I've probably contacted 20 lawyers and I don't know why, but nobody wants to touch it. I don't know if that's because they're all soulless people too. I mean, it's just really frustrating and I don't know what my time frame is on, you know, as far as termination goes, how long you have before you run out of time that you can actually file something. So I don't know. I, well, Lori, we may be able to put you in touch with some that um, might be able to help. And if there are lawyers listening to this radio broadcast and you're willing to step up and represent Lori in her EEOC case, please send an email to info at truthforhealth.org and let us know that, that you are willing to assist in Lori Park's legal defense. Lori, what state of residence are you in? Florida. Florida. Well, I, I may have some names of attorneys um, that we can put you in contact with. Not everyone specializes in EEOC law, but I do have um, some contacts and we will talk with you about that. We're going to be taking a break in, in just a minute and we'll talk more about all of this. But as a, as a warning to Americans listening, companies are abusing employees' rights across all fields at a time when we're having difficulty finding good quality workers. And all of you listening need to decide to get active in protecting your rights as employees because you could be the next Lori or Captain Saliba if these policies and practices are so lawless and discriminatory and retaliatory, there's nothing to stop the soulless corporation and managers from deciding they don't like what you're doing and become just as persecuting of you as what you've been hearing from Lori and Captain Saliba. Uh, This whole diversity, equity, and inclusiveness movement, the woke corporate culture, arbitrary guidelines and arbitrary quotas are being used to violate our constitutional civil rights for no discrimination based on age, gender, and religious affiliation and national origin. So we have a serious problem And it's going to be we, the people, standing up against these abuses that can help stop it and restore the rule of law. Right at the moment, across all sectors of our economy, we are seeing corporations and government agencies getting by with flagrantly violating the rule of law that has been a hallmark of stability in this country and and our success as a nation. This is Dr. Lee for America. We will be right back 
after the break. Check out our website at www.truthforhealth.org and please sign up for our email alerts. And if you can donate to support our work in these important legal defense initiatives that the foundation is engaging in to defend core human and civil rights secured by law. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America here with the Legal Report with two airline employees who have been persecuted, retaliated against, and prevented from working. Our flight attendant, Lori, has a 25-year career. I mean, I can't imagine any business taking such retaliatory, punitive actions against an employee who's been a dedicated exemplary employee for 25 years in this work environment where it's so difficult to find dedicated good employees. And then our airline pilot, Captain Saliba, has been a captain with a major, a different major airline for also for many years. And they are in retaliation, preventing him from working. It, it's just appalling. So, Lori, at this point, have you heard from the EEOC with regard to your case that you filed in 2022? I got a position statement from my airline in March of 2022. And then in September, I filed my rebuttal with them. And that's the last I've heard. I haven't heard anything from them since the September of last year. One of the things you might want to do is, is contact the EEOC and get a status report and find out if they've assigned it to this wastebasket in action group where they are just shuffling all of these COVID mandate related cases off into um, a subgroup under the EEOC and just not acting on them in, in violation of, of the rules for the, the EEOC. We'll be talking more about that in an upcoming legal segment with attorneys who are investigating that and taking legal action against the EEOC for exactly that behavior. But that might be something useful to consider doing Captain Sleba, you've filed EEOC complaints before. What are what are your thoughts about what's going on? I think it's a very good idea to um, get an update on the status of your case, Lori. And um, there's no harm in asking. I, I hope you have a direct contact with the investigator who's assigned to the case. You can send an email and inquire what's taken so long, what's what's the holdup. Uh, either way, I think that it's really important that you be prepared to file a complaint, whether you do find a lawyer or not, um, file a complaint within 90 days if they don't choose to pursue the airline. Keep that in mind. You'll have 90 days to file your complaint. That's when the clock starts ticking for you. Uh, so this could take, it could take them another year to make a decision, but the clock starts ticking when they make that decision, because then you would have complied with the uh, process of 
um, it's not coming to me now, but uh, administrative process that you are supposed to follow before you may file a case against the airline. And in my experience, if you there is an administrative process that you're, you're supposed to follow and you don't, they'll toss it out. They'll say, no, you got to go follow the administrative process first. It's to keep the courts light so they don't have to work as much. And uh, in my opinion, all these agencies are designed to take your rights away from you, really. They're not there to help you out. So you really have to uh, fight on your own. I really admire the fact that you stood up. And what Lori stood up for is the fact that the airlines, all the airlines across the board and all businesses were pushing the, the, the jabs. They were pushing the masking as a master plan to take down the United States of America. People have to understand that. This is very, very critical because if the United States falls, the world is in their grip. They will control the world. So every American... Every American has to do something to stop this. It doesn't matter how minor it is. A simple no, thank you, I will not wear a mask is good enough. You just got to do something. You can't let the United States fall because that is the plan. And um, Lori, you did the right thing by uh, filing your complaint because that uh gets the airline on the defensive and when they are on the defensive they start acting in ways that are unimaginable you should see the things that my airline has done and they still they still will not fire me because they just know that if they do it would be wrongful termination and i would be coming back roaring so uh but in my case i've got uh, two lawsuits against them, and it's it's a little more complicated. But uh, uh, yeah, you're fighting for everybody, not only yourself. So uh, I admire what you're doing. Well, and I do too, Lori. We need, we really need more mm-hmm. people to stand up against this tyranny and do exactly as you've done, because part of the reason that the tyrants get away with this behavior. But they're bullies. And we all know that bullies win because people don't stand up against them. And I'm shocked, quite frankly, at the degree to which Americans just quickly rolled over and gave up all their rights. I mean, people closed their businesses with without standing up against that. They implemented these vaccine mandates and People just went along and rolled up their sleeves, didn't question, didn't ask for more information. I mean, we had half of the American population just capitulate to this massive violation of all of their human rights, their civil rights, their rights to bodily integrity. And make no bones about it, Captain Saliba is exactly right. This is all part of the Global Reset Plan to take down the independence of the United States of America and bring us all under one world control with the WHO calling all the shots. And when that happens and the World Health Organization dictates that everybody will get a vaccine, 
they already have in place authorization to do so by force. So that means a very ominous picture for all of us. Non-compliance, peaceful civil disobedience, as Dr. Martin Luther King showed us in the 1960s, is exactly what needs to happen and just say no, as you are doing and as Captain Saliba is doing. And so many of those whistleblowers that we've had over the course of the whistleblower report radio shows, this is what we need all free American citizens to do is to stand against tyranny and take the legal actions that are available to you. Look, uh, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I may jump in, uh, Dr. Lee, uh, Lori, uh, do you have any line of communications with the company? No. Nothing at all? No, you mean like supervisors or anything or people that still work there that I know, friends? No, as in, as in with management, like oh, uh, no. getting get answers to any of the questions that you have, uh, nothing at all? No. It's, okay. they, you know, it's funny because they actually um, offered me three different occasions between May and the middle of June. Um, are you sure you don't want to retire or quit? You can do this in lieu of terminating. Um, if you retire, you'll get to keep your benefits and your health insurance. It's almost like I felt like they knew they did something and they wanted me to either quit or retire instead of terminating me because I think in their mind, if I said, oh, well, yeah, I'll retire, then I had no way to come after them because they could say, well, you retired. Oh, absolutely. In fact, it's they were bribing you. Yeah, three times they kept, you know, we're offering you one more time. You have 24 hours to answer. I didn't answer. Then within a couple of weeks, I'd get another call. We are offering this again. You have 24 hours, you know, and uh, three times. I'm like, why do they keep asking me that? <laughs> because you're right. They wanted you to just quit. So you, uh, they get away with what they did. Right. So I never responded. I just, it's truly shocking. And I used to have such respect for both of the airlines that each of you work for. In fact, those were my two preferred air carriers. And I'm just furious at what I see them doing to abuse employees and, and also to abuse the health of employees enforcing the experimental COVID shot because they violated the FAA regulations for not using an experimental medical or medicine or vaccine prior to full approval and prior to one year after full FDA approval. So they were violating that, which I knew was a safety hazard. I mean, as a physician, I knew that in general, but I also knew it because I knew a lot of the complications that the technology for the mRNA vaccines were producing. And I knew the complications too that we were likely to see and they've been even worse. So they're, they're jeopardizing the health of the employees and they're jeopardizing the safety for the flying public. And Captain Saliba, you've had a lot to say about that. 
And Lori, I'm sure you know that for passengers and the flight attendants to wear the mask for prolonged periods of time decreases oxygenation, increases carbon dioxide, and leads to impaired performance. And when the flight attendants are there to primarily for the safety of the passengers, I mean, people think you're there to serve beverages, but that's not your role. How can flight attendants function optimally if they have headaches because of the prolonged mask wearing? Which, which if I may jump in again, uh, Lori, I want to ask you, did your airline uh, institute a training program specifically designed for uh, operations, say, above 25,000 feet with a mask on, where, you, you know, um, when you first receive your training and then you get your recurrent training, they train you on oxygen, oxygenization, uh, hypoxia, emergency procedures at high altitude. Did they have a new program with the mask on that you went through? No, never. Nothing at all? No, it was just here you have to wear this. They were even handing them out to us when we signed in at work. Okay. Isn't that a violation of the safety standards, Captain Saliba? That that is. That's precisely where my case is. uh, One one of the points that I have uh, in my case, and that is that the airlines violated the uh, federal aviation law or aviation law in general. And uh, the courts have made a ruling, uh, specifically the Ninth Circuit is where I'm at, uh, that there is no private right of action under aviation law. But I have presented a very good argument uh, supporting the fact that there is no remedy under the aviation law in what they are doing and the violations they are um, uh, undertaking. So the remedy has to be in the court. Therefore, that's why I'm in court. And therefore, there is something called an implied private right of action. And that, what, what Lori just said, where they did not train the crew on masking at uh, you know, emergencies with the masks on. Here, just put it on and take it off if you, if you need to. What they don't know is that it's not that simple. You don't just take a, a cover off your face and put an oxygen mask on without training. It really takes training. And specifically, more importantly, for the passengers, it is a violation because they demanded that the passengers put a mask on without declaring that there is an added risk to the passengers. So... Yes, uh, in my case, and hopefully the Ninth Circuit will side with me, which if they don't, I'm going to take it to the Supreme Court. And when they do, then Lori can have a case against the airline because they did not train her for emergency situations with the masks on. I mean, some flight attendants had two and three masks on. I've seen them. And, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, you know, like a shield, plastic shield, now, how are these flight attendants are going to respond to a rapid decompression or um, smoke or fire in the cabin? Well, this they can't. Still- they can't because they can't respond normally because they have slowed reaction time. I mean, that's already been demonstrated in studies that OSHA's done 
under conditions of high carbon dioxide, which occurs when you leave a mask on for long periods of time. They were violating the OSHA standards for carbon dioxide levels by leaving the mask on that long. And the federal aviation law. Exactly. Because so, they did not institute any training for the, for the crew. So it's important to, to, for Lori to remember that and keep that in your back pocket because that's, uh, that's important uh, evidence to present to a court saying, you know, they not, they not only uh, discriminated against me because I'm not uh, vaccinated and charged me a premium, but they also never trained me and subjected me to unsafe working environment. You know, I wonder if that isn't part of Lori's current EEOC complaint. Why not consider filing another EEOC complaint on the safety violations for the crew and the passengers along those lines? Lori, did, was that brought into your EEOC complaint that there had been no training for the crew about how to respond in an emergency, particularly a decompression emergency, um, when you had these face masks on that impair oxygenation and, and slow your reaction time. Did they, did, was that in your EEOC complaint? No, no. Well, I'm wondering if that wouldn't be the basis of another one. We should, we should right. explore that. Yeah. Um, that, that, that would be under the OSHA. There's the uh, Air 21. It's called Air 21. It's the Wendell, uh, I can't remember the entire title, but it's under OSHA, where if you have a, uh, uh, if you're a whistleblower and you can complain and they will investigate under the OSHA, but that's, it has a 90 day uh, statute on it, which uh, there's, a, there's a Delta pilot who, uh, her name is Carlene. She's she's uh, on a mission to have amendments to that act to allow, I think, more time. Because by the time 90 days pass, um, after something happens, you, you're not aware. You're not even aware that it happened. So by the time you discover that it happened, the violation, it's too late. You're You're outside that window. Then they won't honor your complaint, which is ridiculous. And uh, so, so Lori is, 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 but that doesn't mean that she can't file a complaint in federal court. Well, I, I did file a complaint with OSHA on May 3rd, like a week after all this happened with the whistleblower Air 21 Act. And I spoke to a gentleman twice and he brought in his supervisor and they kind of basically talked me out of it saying I really didn't have any complaint that it really wasn't OSHA, it was the airline. I have all uh, the papers from that. It was, yeah. And then they said I could, if I felt there was any kind of retaliatory act or something, I could re, I could resubmit another complaint at a later date. It was. Yeah. Yeah. What they call is, uh, they, they call that a, uh, uh, an event, a negative uh, event, and yeah. they start the clock from that event. So something about it's, but you got you got terminated. So did you go back to them, um, or or is that after after? Did you file with OSHA after you were terminated or before? No, I filed it. I did it like 
after I got suspended. Okay. And well, yeah, I. Uh, you should have gone back to them after you were terminated because then that's another event and it's retaliation. Um, it, can I still do that or am I beyond? N 90 days. I don't know. Has it been, it's been more than 90 days. Well, yeah. 90 days since I filed the first one. Yes. No, 90 days since you were terminated. Oh, yeah. No, it's been nine. Yeah. It's been a year now. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Hmm. So. Well, see, that's one of the problems is that that's one reason we do these shows is to educate people about the fact that if you're going to stand up for your rights, you have to do it quickly because there are statutes of limitations on all of these things. And in the hospital homicides that we've been involved in, where we've we've known this happened, some states only have a year statute of limitations for wrongful death. And other states have two years, other states have three years. All of these laws vary and all of the statute of limitations vary. And people don't know that. That's partly why we are doing the legal symposiums. It's partly why we're doing these radio shows to educate people about what your rights are and what you need to do to defend your rights. So, Lori, you've taken a lot of really positive steps and obviously so has Captain Saliba, but most employees don't know that they have these options, just like you didn't know that you could have filed another OSHA complaint separate after you were terminated because that was a separate event. But again, you've only got 90 days to do it. So hopefully someone listening to this will take this and learn from it and find a way forward. But there may be ways that through the connection with what Captain Saliba is doing with pro se litigation that, and some of the people that have done that successfully who are on our Truth for Health Foundation Legal Advisory Council may well be that there are some further actions that you could take because it sounds like you've been a real fighter so far and you just need some additional people to guide you in some of the steps that may still be available. Right. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't sure, I guess when I did the OSHA, cause I did OSHA, TSA, FAA, everything. And they sort of talked me out of it. And I guess I didn't realize that, termination was another event I just kind of incorporated it all in because I was already suspended and I, I guess I didn't yeah they weren't very explicit so I guess that's my fault I didn't really understand I should have probably asked or yeah it, it, ter termination would have been another adverse event is what they call it adverse yeah. event uh, I'm just curious I'm just curious with with your OSHA complaint what was the uh, what was the complaint um I did a retaliation complaint. For what was the concern? What was your concern that they um, retaliated against? Uh, I complained to manage about unlawful conditions, conduct or practices. Um, that was one of the boxes I, I checked. Um, and I believe it was, well, it was about what happened to me that day. 
Okay, but nothing about uh, uh, aviation concerns like like I was descri- describing. Oh, yeah, um, not the mask. You mean getting trained in that? No. Yeah, yeah, no. You see, that's the Air 21 is all about yeah. that. It's all about the yeah. safety. But you didn't know, so. Yeah, um, I didn't know about that until my brother actually kind of talked, told me about that. Okay, okay. Well, this is why we need to keep doing these educational programs because it is complex and employees are often, they're in shock that, you know, you've lost your job after 25 years and obviously you liked it or you wouldn't have stayed for 25 years and you've lost your job, you've lost your income, you're in shock and it's, it's an acute trauma to lose a job abruptly in a punitive way like that after 25 years. And so people don't know what to do. It's, it's rather like a deer blinded by headlights of an oncoming car. And that's the tragedy because there are rules in place. There are laws in place that could protect employees. The unions have not stood up for their employees. And Captain Saliba, you and I have talked about that and we'll do more on that. So the unions haven't stood up for the employees. The companies are browbeating them and persecuting and punishing them. And there needs to be a a way in which we teach people what their options are. So I just thank you both for willing to be part of sharing your stories to help educate the public. We're about at the end of the show today. We have a lot ahead of us. The fight is not over, and they're, they're already telegraphing another pandemic is coming, more lockdowns, more mask mandates, more COVID, or not COVID, more vaccine, experimental vaccines in development. They're already talking about Marburg, Ebola, and rumblings about Venezuela, and equine, encephalitis. I mean, you name it. They've got other threatening viruses they plan to do the fear-mongering campaign just as they did the first time. So America, listen, pay attention. You do not have to give in. You are free human beings created by God. You do not have to give in to unlawful orders and unlawful mandates that violate your constitutional rights. We, as Captain Saliba said early on, we must stand against tyranny, exercise your right to do so, and just say no. And join our crusade at truthforhealth.org. We are silent no more. We'll be back again with another whistleblower report. Thank you for joining us today. 